today we are talking about high risk facilities and logistics, mitigating risks and uh, from threat vectors historically considered benign. And our guest today is William Plummer. William, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing? Nice to be here. Thanks very much for joining us. So, I guess start off by telling us a little bit about your background and your experience in this area. Uh, so, uh, my background, I did 25 years in the Army with the bomb squad. And then, uh, crazy enough, I retired, took off the uniform and walked into a startup. And basically, we, we look at mail security threats and look at things that uh, tend to show up that people aren't expecting. So in your presentation, you're talking about um, mitigating risks from threat vectors historically considered benign. What are the types of threat vectors you're talking about? Uh, so mail's the primary one, but when you're looking at companies that um, have a lot of parts and pieces, obviously moving, you end up with everything from cargo loading dock concerns to people walking in with uh, equipment and dropping it on or off. And uh, basically things that happen every day is what we're talking about. Yeah. So I guess the challenge for a lot of organizations is if they are everyday operations, obviously they need to happen to an extent. So, you know, how do you mitigate those kinds of threats? Um, a lot of times it's just with a good, a good program and making sure that individuals that are doing that work have the responsibility to make sure that it's doing it's a legitimate movement of, of an item or a package that's legitimately supposed to be there. Uh, most of the time what we see is, uh, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It just costs a little bit of time, a little bit of training to get somebody to take a look at what they're doing and make sure they're not doing something inappropriate. Okay. So you, you spoke a little bit about emerging trends. Can you talk us through those? Because the people listening to this weren't at the presentation. What were the, the emerging trends? Um, so one we always have to talk about is white powder threats. That's continuing to, to I mean, continue to emerge, I guess. We're seeing threats that um, electronic listening devices were haven't actually had one pop up in a client yet, but we've had clients who've said they've got things that were said in a boardroom that were never said anywhere else and have come up in, in legal events that they've been having to go through. Um, caustic items, um, a lot of, we have a lot of threats and a lot of coercion and a lot of um, written, um, like written, written threats. Yep. And when you're talking about white powder threats, huh? What, what kinds of things are we looking at? Usually it's benign, but in 2021, we saw an increase in things like caustic soda, um, powdered bleach, super tropical bleach, things that will actually hurt you if you get on your skin. And then ricin is something that has shown up more and more for individuals because you can make it out of a completely legal to have plant called the castor bean. And um, those are becoming more and more common. Okay. So then typically, what would you look at in the way of threat reduction techniques to mitigate against some of these sorts of things? Um, some technology helps. Uh, if you put something in that can, that can screen a large amount of packages before they go through, that's one. But most of the time, it's just somebody who has gut instinct and knows what they should be looking for. A good program doesn't cost very much at all, a little bit of time. But when you say, uh, you know, someone that's, are you talking about employing a person who's experienced in this way? Or? Usually, well, usually, yeah, it's usually internal. Employees are, are generally the ones that are, that are doing the work themselves. And unfortunately, usually they're high, prof, high turnover. They are generally entry level. And unfortunately, you're putting a lot of your ex requirements for security on somebody that might not be there, but for six months before they move on to the next thing. So... Yep. So this is more about implementing a good training program for people internally within the organisation. Yeah. Okay. 
So then as far as I, you know, one of the things that you speak about is identifying facility vulnerabilities and threat vectors. In what context? So most of the time when you talk to people, they go, like I said in the presentation, we don't have a problem. The reality is threat vectors are there all the time, and for most of these threat vectors are being assisted by employees. Somebody puts it in and lets the normal processes move it forward and move it deeper into the organization. Um, another thing that we see threat vector-wise is people don't even know that they're there. Um, they don't realize that there's you know, two extra ways that anything logistically moves in their organization. They just haven't ever seen it. So a good idea would be to go out and make sure you understand exactly how everything moves and what's moving inside of that, that train. Yeah, and one of the things that you mentioned that I thought was quite interesting was you spoke about just something as simple as the difference between the front of the building and the back of the building. Yeah. Right. Can you help uh, our listeners understand a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, so good example. If you go into any building that has any, any sort of security uh, apparatus behind it, you walk to two people generally who are armed or watching. It depends on where you are in the world. Um, but they're watching the front door to make sure no bad actors are walking in. They're, they're making sure that everything that's supposed to happen is happening. Badges are checked, all that. Every email that you send is checked. It's triple checked and they've got a firewall behind that. But if you walk around to the back of the facility and you watch what happens at the loading dock, usually there's very little security there. The gates are generally left open. People can just back up and drop things off and then it's inside the organization. Um, and that happens, unfortunately, more times than not. The front door is locked tight and nobody's looking the back door. Yeah. So part of getting around the the mitigation of all of this is having risk assessment and solution implementation, but you say one of the one of the problems is an inaccurate risk assessment. How does that what what does that look like? So a lot of times when you look at a company's risk assessment, they're immediately going to put logistical functions to a low and they won't have done the requisite work to look inside it and go, "All right, why would I make this why would this be anything other than a low? And they need to, to look at it effectively and say, look, the reality is, you know, this is the easiest way to get something in. And the, by, that, by that mode of thought, it's a most likely way that somebody's going to get something in, and therefore it should not be a low. Yeah, okay. So profiling an organization as a living entity, you talk about the need to actually treat the organization as a living entity mm -hmm. itself. Why and what do you mean by that? Uh, you look at a lot of risk assessments. People have done it as a snapshot in time. You know, maybe they look at it and go, oh, I did this and we did our last risk assessment in 2018. Well, in four years, that company has changed, grown, morphed, uh, made more people angry, fired more folks. Uh, if you don't look at it like a daily, breathing, living person that you have to live with, uh, you're not going to accurately assess the threats. You're not going to see what's coming because you don't, you're not looking at who you're making mad, to, be, to boil it down. Sure. So over the last couple of years, it, with, it, with that profiling piece in mind, what are some of the more common things that you're seeing that are driving increased threat behaviours? Uh, layoffs. Uh, a lot of people frustrated with what, what happened with COVID, the response to COVID, the response to the vaccines that followed. Um, government has, uh, at least here in the States, we've been having quite a few problems with representation and the government may be going too far or not far enough. And people just feel the need that they can say more, do more, and, and act out more than they have in, I think, in the law. I mean, look at sporting events. How many people are running onto courts or yeah. running onto, and just actively acting out? And uh, they're doing the same thing with uh, regards to the threats we talk about. Yeah. And so is it the contention then that 
the reason they're doing that sort of thing is to try and get attention to a particular cause or is it just because they're feeling frustrated? What drives it? Most of the time with our clients that we deal with, it's just anger. They're very angry at the company and they treat the company like it's like the company itself fired them and not the people inside of it. Yeah, okay. And so if you're looking at that increased level of threat, if I'm the security manager at a particular facility or within a particular organisation, are there sort of like, you know, a top five or top ten things that I really need to be thinking about or doing to mitigate the threat? Yeah, so um, look at the screening program is one, and the training assigned to that, that's absolutely critical. Uh, looking for and assigning a role of like a logistical manager or somebody you can look daily and see what's coming in, what's going out, what you're expecting and what you're not expecting. And not just waiting for things to show up at the dock and going, yeah, I guess I got three pallets today. You should probably know they were coming. Yeah, and, and just on that, that's an important point because something that you mentioned before is really it's not hard to understand everything that's coming into your organisation. So you should know, so nothing should be turning up unannounced. You should know everything that's coming in. Yeah, and when something that shows up unannounced, that's when you should give it extra scrutiny. If you've got the if you've got the chain of custody on all the things that are moving forward and all the things that are moving out uh, inside your organization, then you own it. It's yours. The, the fact that you understand and are aware of the life cycle of whatever you have is, it's a win. And it's an easy thing to do. It, I mean, somebody leaves a pallet sitting somewhere that it shouldn't be. All right, I know it shouldn't be there. I need to pay attention to that and figure it out. Um, but what about an organization where you might have, say, 100 or 200 employees in the mm-hmm. building? They're all going to order specific things at various times or different things at various times. Some people might even get their own personal items that they've ordered on Amazon delivered to work or things like that. I mean, how do you treat that? Do, they, do you need to have a policy in place saying, you know, if you've ordered something, you need to let reception know that you've ordered something? Or We've got some clients that do it that way, but that, that's honestly a pretty heavy, pretty heavy logistical requirement to place on, on you know, one person. Um, what we do when we talk to people is kind of, if it's personal in nature, it gets put through one screening criteria. And that those personal in nature items, if they can go into the facility, but you're going to come pick them up. They're going to know that they're yours. We're not going to hand carry it all the way to the desk for you. Uh, if you've got 200 employees, yep, they're ordering stuff in and out on their own. That is something that you have to do. I mean, something that you allow to do, but it's really not, I mean, unless you work in the shipping department, and you're the person doing all the shipping. There's tracking methods that you can put in place. I mean, we, we see it all the time with companies that'll put in their own barcodes. They know what's moving. They just assign their own ownership of it before it goes out the door. Um, one of the things that, that we've seen that's successful is limiting what people are allowed to do. If you're gonna order it, it's, coming, it's going to go through somebody in logistics. You're not just gonna go, I'm gonna order 300 widgets. Yep. No, it, that, that's not gonna work. I mean, you need to, it's also not, not good business. Yeah, okay. And and I suppose part of that too is good employee training as far as if if they have ordered something online and it comes into a department downstairs where they've got to go and pick it up, do they know what it is? Did they order it? What does a suspicious package look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, sorry, you were you were in the middle of explaining the, the, the top things to sort of look for when I interrupted. Oh, you're good. Um, the other thing is uh, paying attention to fired or laid off employees, and there's almost always a list somebody has on a wall of the people who have sent something negative in before. So there's like a, you know, people call it a crazy list or whatever, but making sure that that is up to date, everybody is aware of it, and you're tracking. The reality for that one is people want attention. If they are angry at you or your company, 
most likely they're going to want you to know who they are. They will have done several things in the past and paying attention to the fact, just don't let them get it in there. Um, one more thing that you look for is that you should have set up is a way to get people out of a scenario effectively. So white powder threat comes in, they'd be taught how to decontaminate themselves, move out of the area, put somebody, now segregate them from others, but to understand what emergency action plans, emergency response plans are. Okay. Now, one of the other things you mentioned was lines of effort. Can you talk me through what you mean by lines of effort? So um, lines of effort in this case is respond well who you're assigning what responsibility and making sure that those lines of effort are actually doing the right job. We have a few clients that they'll say, yep, we move this from point A to point B, and company A does it, subsidiary company that works for us. Well, that, that doesn't actually get after what they're trying to solve. It doesn't solve their problem. They're, they're not doing things that are towards a security, towards security mindset. It's people in logistics do it all the time. You look at a logistics person, they want to move things quickly, effectively, and cheap, as cheap as humanly possible. Very rarely do they ever say safely. Yeah. And getting those groups to come together and actually have a, con- a consolidated answer on what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it, and how to do it safely is, uh, is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Now, I suppose one of the biggest challenges for me if I'm a facilities manager or a security manager is staying abreast of the, you, you mentioned before, you know, profiling the organisation as a living entity. I imagine part of that is that I need to be up with what are the latest threats, what are the latest trends and all the rest of it. You have resources available. Talk us through those resources and where people can find them. So on our website, um, racesecure.com, no E uh, on the end of Racesecure, it's um, basically we, we keep a live running database of all the threats that have happened from 2019 and beyond. Uh, we do it through open source reporting because nobody's going to self-report, hey, I got shut down for eight hours today. But a reporter will go in and, and, and generate an a event that you can read. So on the website, we have a full-blown threat data center that tracks up-to-date maps, interactive throughout the world. It'll show you all the things that are happening. Um, but it also has good information and threats white papers on new threats and kind of what we're seeing as uh, as the threat evolve. Yeah, and I suppose part of that is something that you just touched on then. If, if I am the facility or security manager, one of the hardest things I imagine I'm going to find I have to do is justifying the program that I'm putting in place and the costs of the program that I'm putting in place. But one single shutdown, even for only a few minutes, can cost an organisation an extraordinary amount of money, I imagine. I was surprised at the cost that we got back from some of our clients. And it's interesting, some of them are very open, they'll tell you about it, um, but like we had a pod, uh, podcast, we had a, um, a webinar that we were running and uh, one of during the Q&A session, one of our clients popped up and said they were shut down for 11 minutes, cost them $300,000. And it's, it is mind boggling how big some of these companies are. And when you start talking about minutes or hours, that's a lot, a lot of money, there's a lot of, uh, it's painful on the back end if you don't handle it in front end. And so do any of the resources that you offer uh, go into detail about the costings around some of these things so that, that might help build a business case? Or? We're, we're working on that. That is honestly something that we're trying to do. Most of, the, most of the numbers we hear are usually in conversation. And it's not something like, I know who asked that question because their name was on the line when they wrote it down. So I'm, I'm not going to pop off that company's you know, personal information or you know, corporate information. But... Um, it, that's a hard one to quantify. 
That is. That's a hard one because nobody wants to stand up and say, yep, this has happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. And so I suppose in closing, if there were sort of, you know, two or three things that you see repeatedly happening all the time within organizations, what would they be? Uh, people who don't think that they have a problem. They, they, don't, they look at it and they're like, yep, I'll pay for this eventually, maybe. Um, they don't value the, this threat vector as much as they would value another, which makes sense. They all need to be handled as they are appropriate or appropriately to each one of them. But uh, they're just flat, we'll ignore it. They, we're not going to do that. And uh, they end up usually getting bit on the other end. It's interesting to talk to people and then they call you like six months later. I like, oh, don't know. Is, is there a reason they ignore it? Uh, usually it's just outweighed. Usually the, you know, there's, there's always something to do. There's always some security problem. We all live in this world and there's so many things that we all want to get done and it just gets shuffled to the bottom. Right, so it's more a reactionary thing. They react to it when they have to react to it, not when they should be reacting to it. Yeah. Okay. If people want to find out more about you, uh, William, where do they go? Uh, well, the website, racesecure.com. Uh, my email's pretty easy. Do you want email? Yeah, go. Okay. It's will at racesecure.com, R-A-Y-S-E-C-U-R. Um, other than that, I'm always available. Will, well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more like this one in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, uh, the Google Play Store, and all the other great places that you can find amazing podcasts. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Have a great day.